There's one legend that says the podcasts aren't dead at all. Just sleeping underneath the hills? Aye, and one day they'll come back. Like ghosts? Something like that. Do you believe in ghosts? For this year's Christmas episode, plug in your earphones, maybe grab yourself a glass of mulled wine and a mince pie, sit back, relax, and enjoy. I must stop Christmas from coming. But how? I'll steal it! No one will ever know! <laughs> oh, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Uncle. Humbug. 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 Hello. Yes, this is the return of the Great Divide Big Country podcast after a 13-month layoff, which neither Spine nor myself can quite believe. And you know what the next question is? 94. 94. Thank you. (laughs) And it is actually the beginning of the 10th year of this podcast's existence. So welcome, as always, our co-host, Svine. Hello, Svine. Greetings and salutations. How are we? We are pretty good. And as I record this, as we record this in this cold uh, January day, I am actually eating my lunch. So I, I will try not to eat as we speak and record. But before I said that very sentence, I put something in my mouth. So now I'm stuck with chewing, and you have to listen to that. <laughs> I apologize. But to our listeners... It's been a while. It's, we're going to have to get back on track here. But um, but yeah, doing well, and, and it's great to reconnect with you. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I, uh, I can't believe it's been 13 months. Now, we, we should add that we did our PSA episode in uh, 2021, a lone PSA in May. But that really isn't part of uh, the Great Divide. So it's been 13 months since the last one, which was the Yuletide of 2020. <laughs> and now it's 2022. So uh, to start with the obvious thing, yeah, we didn't do a Yuletide in 2021, but we wanted to. Unlike 2020, when we actually did one and didn't want to, one year later we wanted to, but we just couldn't make it work. Yes. I hear chewing. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I timed that perfectly. <laughs> I was hoping you'd go on a little longer. Yeah, but it's it's okay. No, those days are over. We're gonna be shorter now. If I'm gonna have two wishes for 2022, it's gonna be we'll be back and more frequent, but also episode lengths will go down. 
And actually, I want to get back to where we started out 10 years ago. You, you mentioned the 10th anniversary, and we're going to get back to that. But one thing we started out with was the 80-minute limit to episodes. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to say let's impose that again, but at least I want to get back to shorter episodes. And I think that will do something with the frequency, to be honest. I think so, too. I mean, it's harder and harder to do the long episodes. and um, It's not like we tried to make them long either. Right, right. When I say harder, I, I don't mean the conversation was forced because that was very natural, but just from, from a time perspective. Yes. But, yeah, I agree. In fact, I've forgotten about that. We, you're right. We did used to have that kind of 80-minute time limit because so many people um, at the time said that they would record the episodes onto CDs. If you, if you recall, <laughs> so um, we we tried to make it so that you could they could fit on a CD. Gosh, and at the end you could hardly put an MP3 length file of the recordings on a CD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's let everyone know, because when we were speaking about getting together again, finally, we you, you were actually mentioning that the Yule in your neck of the woods yeah. is, is still going on. So this could technically still be a Yuletide episode. When I reached out to Tom to say, let's do something. And um, for some reason, I wanted us to do something even in January, which is normally a month we never do anything. Usually because we recover from a very busy fall, I think, and Yuletides and We've been very busy normally October, November, December, but not this time. So I thought, let's do one in January, see if something happens in February and March, see how long we can keep doing something every month. And that will fail at some point. We're not going to be able to do a monthly thing, but it's nice to start out that way. And also because we didn't do a Yule, because you asked me, what is this episode going to be about? <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a good question because really it's uh, it's really just a startup Again, episode, it's also a little bit of a replacement for the Yule. Because Yule isn't just Christmas in uh, traditional Viking lore. It's also New Year's. It's the Yule season. So uh, Yule season starts traditionally a little bit before the Christmas as we know it. And then it stretches a bit into January. So it's almost a month of Yule season. Now, as we record this on the 27th, Yule would have been over by now, but we still call it kind of like, we can call it a great divide, New Year's Yule. And uh, I say this knowing that a lot of our listeners listen to Yule time episodes in July. So what does it matter anyway? So it's it's a late make-up Yule episode combined with a bit of house cleaning and getting back together episode. So it's a big hodgepodge of comeback and Yule and uh, listening to Tom chew his lunch. <laughs> I'm almost done, by the way. I've uh, I've finished my sandwich, and I just have a few French fries that I'm going to be picking at. I'm really eating healthy in this pandemic New Year. <laughs> but yeah, that's good, and I think that you know people should take that into um, people should think about that as they think about this episode. We are not going to be talking about any giant big country topics necessarily. This is going to be. Even though the Yule has technically passed, this is going to have the same sort of spirit as the Yule. So yeah, let's talk about what we missed talking about over the last 13 months in, in big country land, because there have been a few big things that have happened. There have been periods of inactivity because of the pandemic, and there have been some other cool things that have happened. There's been some really exciting announcements that were 
all wanting to get more information on, myself included, but let's start at the beginning. So Spine is the keeper of all things timeline. So take it away. Where where do we leave off? In other words, I'm the one who has notes. <laughs> well, that too. That too. Yeah. All right. So 2021, the year that we all lost out on. At least you and I lost out on talking about it until now. So um, one thing that happened this year that really is a first for Big Country, and I wasn't even sure I would ever see it with this band, live stream events online. I think this has been suggested to the band for a multitude of years, and they finally did it. It happened on the 3rd of April. The actual recording was the 12th of February in Livingston. I understand that the uh, provider is... Do you remember? I think it's some sort of um, sports events uh, platform. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, to be honest with you. No. Those are things I would file under under things Tom never thinks about or notices. <laughs> they used a, a sports provider platform. So uh, testing music was kind of an experiment for them as well. But I think it went well. It was one of those deals that you could buy a ticket and the show started several times over a weekend. So you could pick uh, the time that was, uh, you know, most suitable for yourself. So I saw it a couple of times there, and I've seen it a couple of times since. It was um, short of an hour, basically the greatest hits. I don't think there was any deep tracks to be had, but it was a cool thing to uh, to see that band try. And uh, like I said, it wasn't one that I expected to see, even though Skids have been doing this quite a bit. And a lot more. They did it first and have done it since. So uh, obviously logistics plays into this. Getting the band together and rehearsing and getting together at the same location is a little bit more challenging when uh, you live um, across borders. The skids once everybody is in confirmed. So that's totally different. Yes. But they did it. They did. I, and it was great. I really enjoyed it. I, I just saw it the one time. But um, yeah, it was so cool to, to see them play again live and to have that opportunity to see them do a live stream and yeah i'm sure that's the reason is that it must have been a very difficult effort to get everyone together yeah but um it it was a good show it was a very good show i think this lineup had well before the the lineup change that we'll talk about later that lineup with with scott and simon gosh they've been together for what you know a number of years and Five? Is it, had it been five years up to that point? Something like that, maybe? I don't know. Scott joined in 2015. Okay. So, yeah, as someone who has seen them live, and I know you saw them live, and then seeing them on that live stream, it was just very natural at that point. And I, I, I think that version of the band has really, really gelled into a very strong, a strong performing band to carry those songs forward and, and keep giving them life. Good evening, boys and girls. We're Big Country, and welcome to the Arctic Circle.
yeah, that was fun. And I, I've also enjoyed the skid shows and that we've seen. I think we did talk about one of those. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Bruce was on, so we covered that in detail. That's right. And uh, he mentioned that he'd like to come on again soon, so maybe we'll get more into the live stream and things like that then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, given the set list they played, they probably could play that in their sleep. Uh, I think the songs are songs they have pretty much played since Scott joined, so that lineup knows them. It's in their bones. Yes, it is. And I remember the last time we spoke with Bruce, uh, I think he was talking about it. this. Well, this may even have been before the pandemic. I can't remember now. It's everything blurs. But I know he was talking about possibly getting some more rare songs into the set. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, he was talking about maybe some stuff from No Place Like Home or Why the Long Face or yeah. some of the later period big country stuff that they really don't play. So I know that hasn't happened yet, but it, but understandably so, you know, with considering what they're doing and what they need to do. But it, it would be nice to think that down the road, if the if things clear up a little bit, maybe they'll have a little bit more leeway to change some things up here and there. Who knows? That would be awesome. Uh, I seem to remember for some reason that he um, he mentioned some uh, piece in our time songs, like uh, From Here to Eternity. I think we talked about that. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. That the at Stewart's Memorial, and uh, everybody wants to hear that song, and he mentioned bringing out, not the album version, but as it originally was in demo form before Peter Wolf got his hands on it. <laughs> so uh, that lovely 40-second intro will probably not be there. Oh, man, I, I would hope that that would be there. That, that's my favorite part of the song, even though I think it's a great song. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would love to hear a demo of that, wouldn't you? I mean, kind of like the the uh, REL tapes take on some of those those songs that did make it to the album. Um, ah, perfect. It'll be really cool to hear. Because that's that's an that's an underrated song in my opinion. Yeah, it is. Maybe it's because of how it ended up, but still, there, there, there there's clearly greatness in that song, despite the expression it was given in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, hearing those demos might even be as uh, maybe it's even more interesting than the. Robin Miller mixes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? I, it would be the same category. It, it's, uh, but one of them seems more likely now to come to fruition in some form than the other, and we'll touch on that later. Let us talk about 2021. This episode will be helpful in the future if people say, what was my favorite big country-related album that was released in the year? And then you start thinking, which albums was on that list? You know, What albums came out this year? We're going to help you now. We're going to go through the whole year. We're going to find out how many of these Tom actually bought and uh, probably how many he's listened to, which I expect to be a much higher number than the first number. And I have kind of included this as the first entry. From 1st of March the release of the Restless Native movie on Blu-ray for the first time, and again on DVD. If you want to know about that Blu-ray release and the audio quality especially, and how the Big Country songs come across, go to the Facebook group Big Country Reissues and New Releases. You will find a post if you search for it by Alan Ambari. He did a thorough investigation. He created its own document looking yeah. at the audio, mono, stereo, uh, how the audio bounces from track to track, how it compares with what we had before, and what basically analyzing the job they did on that disc. And if you start reading it, 
it's really quite interesting, more interesting than I'm making it out now. And I'm not doing justice to it, that document, but that's a tremendous piece of work. So just go to that group and, and look for that document. You'll find everything you want to know because getting that audio in HD was basically what everybody hoped for. We didn't quite get that, but there were some interesting uh, findings, I think, and maybe even differences. So go go check that out. That was well done of him. So good job, Alan. I agree. Always great content on that site. Very, uh, very well thought out, intelligent discussions there. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to ask you if you got that because I'm not even sure you can play that stuff in America. N- yeah. No, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. No. It depends on your setup, suffice to say. It does. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, as much as I, you know, would like to have it and would and would certainly get it, it's it's not something that, for whatever reason, doesn't call out to me to buy it. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think the movie is good. It's fine, but it's not that great in my opinion. It's uh, the music is what sells it for me. I think we are a bit like-minded on that, and that's probably why we never did a Restless Natives episode because I think none of us has a problem with the movie. But I think I often feel that the movie is oversold. <laughs> In, uh, in how great it is. It's clearly the music for me. Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I think it's, a, like I said, I think it's a solid movie. It's good. It's fun. And I've seen it multiple times. But uh, yeah, I just didn't really feel the need to get that. But it, it is great that they released it. I'm happy they did. And maybe, you know, just have the opportunity to see it uh, in HD like that is, is great. So I'm sure I'll pick it up at some point. It just hasn't happened yet. All right, good. I suspect you picked up the next release in the year. We're all the way into May, so the first half of the year, at least the first portion, there wasn't a whole lot that happened. And I think it's uh, loosened up over the year for reasons of uh, everybody waited for the pandemic to clear. We saw a lot of bands wait with the releases in 20. And as 21 sort of got a bit into itself, these things started coming out anyway. And in May, Skids released Songs from a Haunted Ballroom. Covers albums might not be what we wait for from a band, but I would say this one was worth waiting for. This is a really strong collection of songs, especially because there's a theme behind how the songs were chosen, which goes back to the ballroom in Dunfermline, uh, the Chimera Ballroom, where the skids played a lot of the early gigs and uh, a lot of bands from that time came by there. And it's a very special time for those guys in the band then. And Bruce remembers a lot of it. He wasn't in that band, but the uh, he, he knows the significance of that place. So I like that theme of songs tied to that ballroom and that time. I do too. And yeah, I, I think that's very cool. And you could tell a lot more thought was put into this than what you would get out of a typical covers album where someone just, you know, randomly picks songs they want to do. And, and I love that. And I, I really think that everything sounds great too. I was really impressed by the, uh, just the overall sound quality of the album and the nastiness of the guitars and, um, and it's, and of course, it's got the Kiss connection with New York Groove, <laughs> which of course was originally recorded by a, another band. Um, hello, what was hello? Yes, thank you. Wh- whose version was was a little bit more punk, and I definitely like it. But glam, I would say. Yeah, it was more glam. It was more glam than punk, probably is a better way to put it. But I think that there are undeniably portions of the Ace Frehley version in in this too. <laughs> it sounds like they listened to both. At one point, Bruce denied having heard the Ace version, and I find it a little hard to believe, don't you? <laughs> the guitars are just like uh, on Ace's version. Yeah. But, um, but it, it could happen.
I think it's great, and you're in complete control, and um, gosh, the light pours out of me. Uh, even I Want to Be Your Dog, I thought sounded really cool. So, Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of great stuff on that, and, and you could tell that they were really um, – they chose these songs. The love of these songs really comes through in the recordings, so it, it didn't seem rote or a by-the-numbers type of thing. I thought it was a really, really cool release. Yeah, it was really good. It's interesting also that it's really rooted in a specific time. So the majority of the songs came from 76 to 78, I would say. A lot of 77. So clearly the, the summer of punk is well represented in this thing. And um, it is. keeping aside uh, I Want to Be Your Dog, which is very much an early punk type song from the 60s. That That's the lone kind of early. And then you had Motte Hooper from 73. And you don't have too much that veers into the 80s. From memory, I don't remember anything really from. No, I don't think so. No, I'm scrolling so. by. No, I don't think so. So, so it's very much from a specific time, and that makes this more interesting than basically hodgepodges of uh, songs from all over the place that you just happen to like. I think cover albums is basically as good as a song selection, but when you make it thematic like this, it almost takes on a different value. A little bit of a history and remembering really things as they were, so to speak. Yeah, it does. And also reminding everybody that Ultravox used to be a pretty savage punk band. That's right. In the early years. So picking one of those early ones before Midjour joined them led them to international success as an artful ambient pop band. They kind of changed there. but uh, so, so that's cool. Reminding people of, of stuff like that. And from a personal perspective, got the Christmas song. I finally have a place where I can play it, but it really sticks out like a sore thumb on this thing. It, it doesn't belong thematically, but where else would they put it? I'd rather have it than not have it. I know. And, and, the, and the guitars and that are just so great. <laughs> yeah, you know, the classic big country sound. Yeah, yeah, they, so. they definitely take more liberties there, too. Yeah, put Absolutely. themselves into it. So, so that was a good release for, uh, yeah, for both of us. We really like that one. And uh, I'm expecting you, you, uh, you didn't pick up any vinyls or anything like that. There were many different colored vinyls, but uh, but you have the CD. I expect. 
Yeah, but no, no vinyl. Uh, I'm just not that kind of guy. I just no. want the music, you know. But right. uh, and I got the I got the music. One format is all I need. But but yeah, it's funny when when um when Big Country played in New York, which was one of the last shows they did before the pandemic really shut everything down hmm. back in 2020. And we talked about this on the show, but Richard Lloyd of Television um opened that show and. I don't think Bruce at the time, as I recall, Bruce didn't realize that it was that Richard Lloyd. And, and once he did, um, I remember going and talking to him and telling him about it. He's like, that's Richard Lloyd. He, he was so excited. He came out and watched the whole show from the from the um, from the audience. And uh, yeah, it was it was he was really it was really cool just to see how he was connecting with someone who really was a big influence on him, like that album represents. So yeah. you, you could see that. You know, I was able to see that in person, just how much he valued that guy. And I'm sure that was that that kind of mindset carried over into that album. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. That's absolutely true. You, you can hear it. They were excited to play these songs, to share that excitement with us as well. Because some of these songs I didn't know. A lot of them I did know. But there were some things I had never picked up on. So that's always good. If you like something in, on a covers album, you can go and check the originals. And that's exactly what I've done. So. You learn something new every day. Nice. There was another Skids release just uh, 10 days later, on the 15th of May. Skids Live, Volume 1, 2010. This is recorded on the 6th of March, 2010, at the Alhambra Theatre in Dunfermline. So um, this is the same audio as they released on a DVD in 2010 which also contained a bonus CD with six live tracks on it. And this uh, this release here, Live Volume 1, has 15 tracks on it. So it still doesn't collect every track from the DVD, but it comes close. To my chagrin, the one that's missing is Fields, which is probably the one skit song that's risen the most in esteem with me over the past few years. So mm-hmm. having, having that particular song missing really sucks. <laughs> but but the, the disc is great. It's obviously well worth having even though it replicates the uh, the DVD. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. So 15th of May, we're two Skids releases in already, and there's going to be a third later in the year. So uh, there were many from, from that band, if you paid attention. These were obviously only available from the Skids online store. So uh, Or I, I expect they were printed for shows, but we know what happened with that one. So Yeah, yeah. And I can tell you, I think I think they're working on another acoustic album right now i believe as well i can't i'm I'm not 100 percent sure if it's original new songs or if it's older songs but um when we do get bruce on the show we can ask about that oh cool yeah because they're selling out these uh skids live volume one two three four i think they can keep doing that and that's kind of shades of what big country used to do on their website in the late 90s they used to release these uh, cds that uh, if you didn't get one you were kind of late and now you need to pay in the hundreds on the trading post or Evil Bay. <laughs> right. And also in mid-May, we get a solo project from uh, Scott Whitley. He released In My Shoes. It was a complete crowdfunding project. Uh, in addition to that EP on CD, there was also a 7-inch vinyl single of Trust In Me slash I'll Be With You Again. Incidentally, my two... Lesser songs from this collection, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it looks beautiful. It's a deep blue color on that uh, vinyl single, which looks so lovely. And mm-hmm. it has a unique vinyl remaster as well. 
I know you have both of these, Tom. I, no, I, I don't. <laughs> Not even a white lie. I was going to let that pass. But <laughs> I don't. It's terrible, right? I, I, I should have them, but I, I don't. Yeah. Have you heard them? I, I heard the stuff that he released, and I, and I, from a technical standpoint, and from a musicianship standpoint, and it was, gr you know, great stuff. He, he's incredible. He's a, an incredibly talented guy. He's so, so talented in yeah. so many different areas. I mean, no you, know, you just mentioned, you just mentioned the visual aspect of what he released, and he's so, he, he's a great photographer. He's a great videographer. He's even the the uh, some of the live streams that he did were incredibly um, set up with yeah, best I've seen. Oh my gosh. Beautiful lighting. And, and it just looks so professional. And um, I, I love everything about Scott is, is playing is great, but I, I just have to honestly say that the music that I heard just didn't, it wasn't my cup of tea. It, I, I probably should have just bought it to support him and maybe I still will. Um, it wasn't an intentional not purchasing. It's just like, Oh yeah, I have to pick that up and just never got around to it. But yeah, it's it's not my it's not the style of music that really moves me. Uh, what can I say? And I guess I'm at the age now where uh, you're set in your ways. I'm set in my ways, and unless it really touches me on some deep emotional level, um, I'm probably not gonna shell out any money for it. You know, so that's yeah. that's as honest as I can be. Yeah, that that's fair. The interesting thing for me is this EP has four songs. And it's so interesting. Each song is in a different genre than the next one. I think most people can probably find one, but uh, it is very diverse. I mean, you need to really have wide open tastes to embrace every single song on this. Yeah. I happen to have wide open tastes, and I am close to embracing pretty much everything. Oh, good. And, uh, the, the first song is Trust in Me. That's probably the one you've heard. He made a video for it. Very soulful yes. and funky with a horn section and a lot of things going on. So that, that's um, that's a fun song. Um, See, I'm I'm out right away with the horns. I don't, I just I've always had a problem with brass instruments in in rock and roll. I just don't like it. Uh, <laughs> whenever I hear a saxophone or a trumpet or a horn in a in a rock song, there are a couple of exceptions. It's not 100%, you know, um, but. Uh, yeah, I I can't I typically can't deal with horns. So once I hear horns, it just it's just that's it for me. I'm kind of out. Yeah. So two of the songs on this uh, EP then will be uh, not for you. Just for me, I, I do think it's very fun. But that horn section is used a lot, and it's the same theme, mm. and it's it's over and over again with that. So I think um, the lack of variety in what the horn section actually plays is what what gets on me. But I think mm. it's a fun song. My favorite cool. song is the one called Snake. That's an instrumental one, which is more 
punk jazz fusion with high energy and really some incredible bass playing on it. I don't think that's for you either. Uh, <laughs> but the song called I'll Be With You Again is much more of a straightforward in-your-face rock song. Cool. Which gets rather intense in the soloing se- uh, section. Intense tempo and bass just ripping loose in a wild guitar solo while the rest is more straightforward rock song. So that might be for most uh, the closest to the big country's expression. And the last one is Heaven's Tears. It's a slower instrumental with a somewhat bluesy feel, so it goes more into that direction with a very melodic guitar solo that really is the main voice of the song. So that's that's Scott. None of these genres, shall we say, that he um, makes up these four songs are straightforward. They're all really done to um, a lot of thought going into the arrangements, and there's a lot of stuff going on. So uh, every time I listen to them, it's it's almost less about the song and more about the performance because there's so much stuff happening and going on no, I, I do like it um, I, uh, I'm hungry for an album I think an EP like this you are more open to experiment and put out everything if you're going to put out an album it helps to have some thought about it some cohesive direction I don't think you can do an album of um, 10 songs like this I think people put on an album to be taken through a mindset. They, they feel blue, they put on that album. They want to rock out or party, they put on that album. If they don't know what the hell they want to do, then they put on a Scott Whitley album. You get everything. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> right, so it's right. a bit like that. So that that's the only thing I would hold against this release. It's really strong in every aspect. And his playing is just incredible, especially. Oh, he's, he's unbelievable, right? Just yeah. His, yeah, he's unbelievably talented. And on that note, that takes us to the next release of the year, which is also a solo release for the band. That is the Simon Huff Band. His uh, second solo album called The Tramp. Uh, the first thing to comment on, there, there are six songs on this album. Do we still call it an album? I think the Wonderland EP, the Canadian Wonderland EP, is longer in playing time than this uh, album by the Simon Huff Band. So it's uh, it's not a very long thing, but uh, he sells it cheaply, I should add. You know, for anyone who asks him, he, he promotes it and sells it himself directly. So it's okay. not like he's charging full album price. You can look at it as an EP. That's fine. That's neither here nor there. It's interesting to see it really in terms of the previous thing, which uh, was the projects cried out. Now it's the Simon Huff band, and that's probably clearer. Some of it... Reminds me of what went on in the projects, but uh, I see a lot of interesting growth here. The title track is very strong, musically interesting, and I thought musically was uh, where the first one missed me very often. Mm. And here, musically, it's definitely a step up. The Tramp itself, probably the best song on offer. It might be the best song that I have heard under his own name. I 
So, so that's off the bat really strong. Uh, there's a track called Rock, Jazz and Poetry, which is more musically like on uh, the project's album. Some interesting lyrics there. Whereas the next track, Blinded, more intense in vocal delivery. And that's where I think he stepped up a bit. There's more focus on the vocals. There's also a song called Coming Home, which has a much more genuine vocal delivery. He sounds more invested, and that makes me more invested. And then you have a track like In the City, which is more straightforward rock, more like the projects again. And it ends with a very interesting song, Miner's Toil, a song with a touch of Americana and roots music almost in it, touching on American folk music from uh, the Old West. And you can hear where that inspiration comes from. And that's not bad either. So um, this is a step in the right direction for me. It's a better collection of songs than the project was. And uh, have you heard it? No. No. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so prepared for all of this, offering so much great insight. No, I, I've heard a couple of things. I, I I can't say I haven't heard anything. You know, anytime someone releases something associated with big country, I'm gonna gonna check it out at least initially. Yeah. You know, quite honestly, and again, no disrespect whatsoever to Simon because I think he's an incredible vocalist and he's fit in great with big country. His own his solo his solo work just never got to me. Yeah, I, I, what can I say? I the stuff he did before he joined the band. I when he did join, I checked a lot of that out, and it just wasn't it wasn't my thing. It was a little too popish for me. You're such a metal guy. Well, you know, even even beyond that though, it just it would just seem like it was. Gosh, I, there's no way to say anything without. It coming across as insulting. So I, I just say it just wasn't for me. And, and I don't mean to insult it in any way because the, the talent is there, the the um, good, you know, good band, good playing, everything. It's just it's just not it's music that really hits me. Uh, what can I say? It just it just doesn't hit me. So if I did listen to it, if I did pick it up, is, is it available on iTunes or Apple Music or any of that stuff? Do you know, you're asking me. No, I, I have the, I have the CD. If okay, it doesn't exist on a CD or vinyl, it doesn't exist. Well, which uh, is going to be an interesting point when we get to Tony's project. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely, and and my own forthcoming digital EP that I'm working on. But anyway, that's for <laughs> down the road. 
but yeah, I, I just his music is just a little too um, straightforward rock or whatever for me. The lyrics don't really usually get me. The the music itself doesn't. So I just I never picked it up. Didn't buy it. Um, could change. I don't know. But uh, just not, not something that really struck me. Yeah. And, uh, and that's fine. Nobody likes everything except me. <laughs> well, you'll at least try everything and, and even buy any, everything. I would have denied it, but it's true. But it's especially sad that you didn't give this a chance because in the liner notes it says that the Americana and Roots inspirations on Miner's Toil is dedicated to Thomas Kercheval, who I know likes the Old West. I do like the song title <laughs> of Miner's Toil. That does sound like something I would be interested in. So I'll have to at least check that one out. The ones that he put forward as the the promotional pieces for the album just sort of, you know, underscored the the opinion I already had. Right. So uh, I'm not even sure which songs that that were because I just got the CD and then I don't. I feel like one of them was probably the, the in the city one, I think, but I don't know. But you know, I'm good for him. I'm glad he's releasing stuff, and you can yeah. tell it's a labor of love, and he, I'm glad he's working on his own own music as well as doing what he's doing in big country. Yeah, exactly. And um, like I said, I consider this a step forward. So I'm interested in, you know, I would encourage him to keep doing this and I would, I will keep picking them up and uh, similar steps forward will definitely soon take him into very interesting territory. Indeed. We charge on. We come to the 2nd of July, and this brings us back to the mothership. The Without the Aid of the Safety Net Expanded Edition 3 LP. And one month later, on the 27th of August, we have the Buffalo Skinners Expanded Edition 2 LP. Now, these were delayed, uh, and we all know the story about the vinyl shortage. Maybe we don't know the story of the vinyl shortage, but there is a vinyl shortage in the world right now. Most vinyl pressers are backlogged and queued up with uh, releases and there's all these stories that the the major corporations are buying out 
their spot in the queue so that they can spend a month pressing Adele albums on vinyl or something like that. Bands like Big Country have to wait that uh, they did come out. And I will assume that this is not for you since you don't buy LP versions of stuff. But do you even have a turntable? I do have a turntable. It's, you do? It's it's in a closet somewhere, though. <laughs> not in and a you, drawer. You know, why, you know why I bought it? I bought it years ago because um, when I was a little boy, I loved these record and – well, they were like – they were comic books, really. But they came with 45 singles or 45 right. records. Yeah. I'm sure you know what they are. And they And they would – you would follow along in the comic book as you listen to the narration. And um, they had these for a lot of the Marvel superheroes, but they also had them for, for the planet of the apes movies of which I was and still am a complete fanatic. So when I was a little kid, I used to spend hours sitting in front of my little turntable, listening to um, the planet of, of the apes movies condensed <laughs> with, with new narration as I read along with these comic books so one day I got so nostalgic for those because they were gone that I found them on eBay and I bought the whole set and I decided I would buy a turntable for the sole purpose of listening to those again, like I did when I was five years old. And uh, that's all I've used it for. <laughs> so. That's an awesome story. That's incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I got I got a bunch of the um, the Marvel ones as well, like uh, Spider-Man stories and and those types of things, too. But uh yeah, in fact, talking about it now makes me want to go set that thing up again. It's not the greatest turntable. It's not the greatest quality. So it really was good for that particular type of release, which is just basically voiceover narration. Yeah. But um, but yeah, sorry. Long, long answer to your question. But I don't have any turntable that I typically use to play music, and I'm not a vinyl guy. No, that's fine. We can't all be that makes it easier for the rest of us to get them. But uh, these were commercially available. I guess some years down the road, they will be very sought after and as rare as all the other ones, because I doubt these were pushed uh, into the markets in the thousands and the thousands. Uh, just a quick comment on them. I'm not going to comment on the sound quality, because, again, people have made videos. I think um, Keith Lewington made videos comparing the sound quality of these with the originals, which are amazing. Just look them up. They're out there. The three LP version of Without the Aid of a Safety Net, it folds out twice. So there's like three layers. So the, the gatefold looks stunning. It's just pictures and text and uh, everything is just awesome. But the middle fold, so to speak, lies in the middle of this gatefold. And it's very hard to get out the album without damaging the gatefold. So the, the first and the third, which are on the ends, they're easy to get out, but the, the middle one, you can lure it out any old way you want, but it sort of goes into the other gatefold. So um, I've stuck the acoustic album in the middle. That is the one I'm less likely to bring out more often so that the electric ones are more available. And that was my mm. solution to, uh, to that piece. Nice. Uh, but the main thing about Buffalo Skinner's expanded edition, it includes the bonus tracks. Uh, which we all know that they uh, stuck on the 2005 CD remaster, which has kind of become gospel as far as uh, how that album should look and which songs it should include. And uh, I had this hope that they would finally include the full and proper version of the Buffalo Skinner's song. And I get the album and it says Buffalo Skinner's demo and my heart sinks. And I just think, oh, well. <laughs> and then I play it. And it's actually the proper version that is stuck on there. <laughs> right, right. 
And I was so happy. I was just grinning. I, I couldn't believe it. That finally the right version of that song had found its place. And it closed out the final side of vinyl. Just like it should have closed out the that's, album. That's so cool. And w- when you listen to it on vinyl, remember we talked about how um, it almost sounded like the fade out of Chester's Farm was leading into that song. Yeah. Um, it's it doesn't follow Chester's Farm on the vinyl, I, I guess, right? It's just, it's a separate. No, the four bonus tracks make up uh, side four of the double vinyl. Got it. Okay. So Chester Farms ends side three. Okay, then then scratch that because I was thinking that it when you said it closed out the album for some reason I was thinking that it was added yeah. to the album track proper, but no, of course not. But uh, I'm just curious, you know. I think we actually did it. We did this on the show anyway. I think when we had it. Oh yeah. We we edited it so that it faded up into that but didn't take a lot of work to make it fit either no no i totally believe in that theory yeah i mean it it just it just sounded so so natural but yeah yeah, that's great and i guess you know i guess they to in their defense maybe they thought the fact that it wasn't released just automatically made it a demo you know what i mean um and it's possible that whoever put that together didn't have the full understanding that there was actually a very rough demo and then there was <laughs> yeah, it's probably the... a mistake right it's it, they they intended yeah. to, to use that demo but they they put on the, the full version but, but but that's good because that full version of the song was quickly becoming one of the bigger rarities in the big country's released catalog so yeah that's very great. very happy with that and that just made my my month of august <laughs> that was that was perfect Shit! Let's, let's continue. We come to September the 22nd. Uh, I'll say up front, this is one that I didn't buy because this gets too minutia-like, even for me. But there was a Japanese reissue of The Crossing. I'm not sure if it was a SHM CD, which is a special type of material that enhances the sound quality. It doesn't matter. Uh, I don't need another version of this on CD, even though it had the blue cover, which is the right cover. So let's just move on, because I know you didn't get that either. I didn't. Maybe if it would have been the green cover, I would have considered it, but no. <laughs> I do like the green cover with the gold. Me too. That's my favorite. Yeah, that that got its uh, day in the sun uh, with the CD remaster. I think the 30th anniversary one. Exactly. Almost become the main CD, I think, at this point. Yes, yeah, yes. The main one to have. Yeah, so, so that looks great. That is the one color that... Uh, Julian Baum didn't decide. That came later than the, the red and the blue. A little tidbit. Oh, that's a good good little bit of minutia. 7th of October, Skids Live Volume 2 has another title tacked onto it, Lockdown Live. This is a live in the studio on the 24th of April 2021 at Loop Maniac in Dunfermline. On uh, a dark and stormy Friday morning, the 12th of November, Scott Whitley announces his departure from Big Country. After serving six years in the band since basically end of 2015. And at the same time, Big Country announced Jill Allen as the new bass player. This makes Jill the seventh bass player to grace the band so clearly the the position that uh, changes the most often is uh, 
is the base position. Mm-hmm. And let, let's just make sure that I have the numbering right. Number one is Alan Wishart, obviously, and number two, Tony Butler. That saw them through a lot of years. But then we have Derek Forbes, who took over from Tony when he left in uh, 2012. When Derek left, that's when we started having sort of a a flurry of bass players. So that's when uh, that's when Kenny made a joke that he had a Christmas calendar with big country members. He had come up to day number 12, and so far it was only bass players. It, uh, it was almost true. In short succession, Matt Pegg was in the band, Steve Richardson was in the band. <laughs> I forgot about that. And Scott Whitley was in the band. It took a little while before they decided on Scott. And to be uh, honest, I think it was really between him and Matt Pegg. I think Steve Richardson helped them with uh, a string of dates in uh, the Netherlands. So he was never really a contender, I think. He's a very much in-demand session musician, also composing for film, TV, and theater. So he helped them out for those dates in particular. But Matt Pegg, who is the son of Dave Pegg from Fairport Convention and Jethro Thull, and also has been a member of Pro Cult Harem, where Mark has performed. So you see the connection there. So he might have been asked to step in and help out and see where that led to. And also Scott Whitley did. And uh, I think they went with the right guy. Scott Whitley has been excitement personified since he joined the band. So happy to be there. So enthused and uh, making us enthused to see his performances and to see his joy. I don't know. I don't think we have much to say about Scott that we haven't said already this episode and before. No, he's he's such a talent, and I I was sad to see him leaving the band. I I could certainly understand the reasoning that he gave, but uh, sad to see him go nonetheless. Yeah, it's hard to you know it's it's hard to see Scott leave, but he's a part of the big country family, and he he said that as much when he was leaving. And like you said, he he really endeared himself to all of us with the way that he played those songs so amazingly well and, and the, the joy that he had in it. You could tell he wasn't just there to get a paycheck or, and play his parts. He really seemed to enjoy it and love it and yeah. treated, treated it with total respect and treated Tony with respect. And um, it was great. Have you, have you seen, I, I saw the, the new guy, Gil, I saw some clips of him playing and, um, he seems like a very accomplished bass player as well. I haven't seen enough of him yet, and it's not fair to you know compare him with Scott in some ways, but that's what we do as fans. Uh, but the the brief clips that I saw from one of the few shows, I guess that he that he's done with them so far, um, he seemed very capable and and very talented. He was hit, he was hitting all the he was hitting all the the parts just as well as any anyone did. So you know, welcome to Gill, and uh, hopefully he'll fit in well. Definitely. It's uh, it's one of those things that if you if you search for Gil Allen, you will find a lot of references around the, the Fremlin uh, scene. He has taken part in shows, been part of projects, and his name comes up. At the same time, he clearly doesn't put himself as much out there as uh, Scott did. Scott was very much out there. If you wanted to find out who Scott was when he joined the band, there were like hundreds of videos. And uh, yeah. videos of himself demonstrating bass techniques and really all that stuff. You, you could find out who he was very easily. The same isn't the case with this uh, this Mr. Allen. He's a bit more mysterious. So we'll, we'll get to know him eventually. We'll get to see him and uh, we'll get to enjoy him. But uh, I don't really know a lot about him. So I have no comments beyond I um, think it's a good thing that he's a local boy. 
So another obstacle removed as far as having the band in one place. Yeah, exactly. That's a huge that's a huge thing I'm sure that helps helps them out a lot. Yeah. I think that's as important as anything these days. When the uh, when the uh, distance between band members actually becomes a giant thing. I mean it it always was. But it's very different from the 90s when uh, even though Stuart lived in the US, they could just plan for him to be there and he could be there. Right. And now they can't even plan anything. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a big that's a big deal. I hope hopefully they can get back get back out there again here soon. I know that uh, I'm sure they're looking forward to that as well. I think they've got a little bit of a break here over the next month or so. Yeah. Um, but I know Skids have shows and I know Big Country does as well. So we'll, yeah, we'll get the chance to see. Well, not us most likely, at least not me, because I don't <laughs> think they're coming to the U.S. anytime soon. But those of you in the U.K. You'll get the chance to see Gil live here soon. So yeah. share share with us what you think. And that takes us to the final release of the year. It's actually been quite a few. So uh, I hope uh, a lot of you guys out there have checked them out. That counts for the last one too. Tony's Project, Tony Butler and Tom Norden, TNT, Funky Tech Rock. Tom, discuss. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I have heard this album. Uh, it, it is available on Apple Music, so I, I listened yeah. to it that way. Um, yeah, it was. Well, first of all, I was I was shocked when it came out. I had no idea. I, I knew that he, he had talked about working on some things, but um, I, I was not expecting suddenly it, it to be released. And that's pretty much just how it happened. And this is here's the album. Um, there was a I think maybe there was a little bit of uh, foreknowledge that it was coming, but it, it came out pretty quickly, at least yeah. at least from my understanding. We broke the um, news on the last Yuletide even. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was my a goodness. scoop. We didn't know it was going to be called TNT, but we knew that Tony and Tom was working on a project that was going to be a little bit different. And we got a statement from both of them about it. But um that's right. So many months passed that uh, you're allowed to be shocked that it almost came out of nowhere because who remembers what we said in the Yule Tide in, in 2020? Well, yeah, and and he certainly wasn't making it that known, you know, himself. So no. um, he he shared it with you, and and yeah, that's right. I remember now. That's why I was thinking. But yeah, I, I mean, I like it. I think it's a I think it's a good album. It's um when I saw Funky Tech Rock, I thought hmm. <laughs> it's a scary title, right? It's a scary title for me. I, you know, I don't know if I could speak for any, everyone else. But the funny thing is, is that the the music really, I wouldn't, I don't think it describes the music really. It, it's a it's a pretty rock type of album. It's it's not that far removed from the last project that he did, uh, Dog, but a little more a bouncy dog. Yeah, yeah. But there's some there's there's some dark stuff as well, like some harder stuff, harder edge stuff. Yeah. Um I I've listened to it a few times. I think uh it's a it's a guitar driven album which I love. A uh, lot of a lot of great guitar work on it. And um I'm not you you can answer this question maybe. I I know you it, it wasn't released on CD, so I don't know how intensely you listened to it or followed it, but I'm not sure who plays what on the album other than just assuming Tony does the bass and Tom does the guitars, but knowing that Tony plays guitar so well, too. I'm, I'm assuming he probably played some of the guitar on this as well, but who knows? Yeah. 
but yeah, I think I think it's a, I think it's a strong album. I I, I like it. I, I think so too. I, I did click on the first promo video they put out for that one for the jump up. I think it's called the first. Song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it starts off with this kind of drum box rhythm. I'm sinking in my couch, and I'm just oh my god, what are they doing? But then the guitar riff comes in, and everything comes in, and um, and all right, thank God, this is more familiar ground than the first five seconds led me to believe. The album is very good. My problem is I don't have really a platform for it that I, you know, I, I don't use digital platforms. I'm not set up to listen to music that way. Mm. But I have a stereo system that can shake the roof of this building <laughs> or I can sit and listen to the tinny laptop sound. And I refuse right. to build out a system to stream stuff from the laptop because that's not just how I like. I like to own my music. I do use Spotify to check out stuff. And if I like it, I order it. I'm ordering a lot more albums than ever before, thanks to Spotify. But if I like it, I buy it. And if I buy it, I can play it properly. So TNT, right. Funky Tech Rock, falls a bit into that for me. But I, I, I will say I've listened more to that <laughs> than than most albums that are released exclusively digitally because I am interested, but uh, I'm hoping for a physical release at some point in the future. I can always probably, I guess, buy the files and burn a CD myself and play it properly. Of course I could if I go that way and I'm, I might be forced to. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a conundrum with a lot of artists these days. It's, you know, from, from, from their perspective and I totally get it too, as an independent musician, it's like, Unless you get people to fund 
the actual creation of your physical CD or vinyl or whatever, it's really not in, in your best interest financially to, to go out there and, and produce, you know, 500, a thousand CDs that you may not sell more than a couple hundred, you know, it's just, it's just, and I'm sure that from Tony's standpoint and the guy, Tom, that he's working with, uh, I doubt that they have had any kind of real budget for this other than just their time, uh, yeah. spent producing it. So from there, from their end, I would imagine that they probably, sure, they would have loved to have put out a physical release, but it, it just from a, an ease of use and cost efficient perspective, um, I'm sure this was what they, they settled on for, the, for those reasons. I think it would be a totally different situation if, uh, imagine a world without a pandemic. Yeah. Where they, could, where they could tour and have this album in the merch booth. They, they would sell like hotcakes because then you don't have to do the shipping. Then you don't have to do all these things. That was your plan for the WKW too, wasn't it? And that was kind of scuppered. Uh, that was yeah. going to be in, in, in the merch stalls when Big Country were playing on tour and they would, you would have sold out. Of course you would have. But now you, you're stuck with uh, boxes of CDs that you, you, that you don't have really the, the stream out to, to, to offer them and sell them. I think that, that will come back. Yeah, I, I think it will. And I know that they've, they've been selling them at the merch stands at the shows yeah. that they have played. Um, but even beyond that now, they had to take it out of the big country store because of the, um, for the time being, because of the, the, expense to ship things outside of the uk so i'm not sure what the status of that is right now but even with all the pandemic issues related to shipping and brexit and i'm not up on what all that is as far as what it's causing but i know it's causing shipping issues outside of the uk and those types of things so i've had people looking for the wkwcd because usually i would just send them over to the big country site you you buy it there and they'll ship it to you but not doing that now. So I, I do have some left over and uh, I've just been shipping it out to people as they've asked, just saying, yeah, just just send me the money for the shipping and I'll send it out to you. And uh, and that's worked out pretty well. But, yeah, it would be great if they could if they could if they get back to touring more regularly again and, and can sell it uh, that way. But but, yeah, there are definitely people who say, I just want I want the CD. I don't want to just have it on digital. Um, right. So I, I know that applies to to everybody. I think so. And big country fans are, for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part, old farts. And uh, just like you're set in your ways on musical genres, I'm set in my way on musical formats of how how I like my music <laughs> I, purchased and and owned. Uh, so I think that could happen, especially if they. Uh, I don't see them really going out as as TNT, but uh, I know Tony still has ambitions, and he has said to me that uh, he still has plans to represent himself musically, which means a Tony Butler solo album. So that uh, will also be coming. And if that happens in a world where he can tour, then I'm sure that he'll go out with spare copies of My Time and his new album, and he could consider TNT. And maybe even backlogs of Dog. His merch stall will be uh, bopping. Yeah, absolutely. It will be. I hope you can do that, too. Yeah, hopefully. But either way, you know, I'm 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 happy for him to to have have released that because it's it's it takes it takes a lot of effort to to put together 
10 songs and, an, you know, an album's worth of material. Even if you've yeah. got a friend and a studio and all that, it, it takes a ton of effort to do it, uh, from writing it to recording it to mixing it to mastering it to getting it released. You know, so many steps involved. And um, I know he's been dealing with his own health issues over the years. Hopefully those have, have been improving. Um, so I just I'm just happy that he still has that fire to create music and write good lyrics and um, oh yeah you know put out some some cool stuff and you know play the bass as 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 he does as only he does and it's great i'm glad he's i'm glad he's out there doing stuff yeah and the funky tech rock album is really strong Uh, let's be clear the the frustration i feel about not having it on cd is very much related to how great i think it is i think it's a solid solid album yeah, uh, and uh, and I feel bad, you know, like you said, a lot of effort going into creating it and putting it together, putting it out. And then you have old farts like me saying, why is it not out on CD? <laughs> so uh, I'm trying not to really complain or anything like that. But uh, I'll just say I really wish it was out on CD. And like I said, I, I this is the album I've listened the most to on streaming services because it's been my only option. And uh, and I enjoy it. But it's uh, I'm back to the tinny laptop sound. That's frustrating. But that's me. <laughs> that was the albums of 21. Many good ones there. I hope you bought more than Tom did. Check them out. Support the artists. <laughs> I know a lot of you did. Yeah, I hope they did too. Yeah. So that takes us to the other thing. That is ongoing, which is the big country live situation. And I think situation is probably the best way to describe it because they have at least played shows again. And uh, as the year especially drew towards an end, they have played a lot of shows. But uh, I sat down and counted how many shows were announced and then canceled or moved and how many actually happened. So just for shits and giggles, I thought, let, let's see how 2021 looked like from a big country live show perspective. Uh, I, I just like to say that as I go through this list, I will often say canceled. When I say canceled, I simply mean that a show that was scheduled did not go ahead as planned. And that it may have been canceled or it may have been postponed. That's all. Uh, but it's important to say because as the band have made clear many times, they hate having to cancel a show. And they hate even having to postpone a show. And uh, they are aware that there's logistics involved for many fans as well who travels and have their own arrangements. Uh, so they care about these things. So this can be a sensitive topic. And it's obviously completely beyond the band's control if cancellations occur or if a show needs to be moved. So just pointing it out, this has nothing to do with the band. This has everything to do with the world situation. So when I say canceled, it just means the show didn't happen. Some were canceled, others moved. Some of them happened later. In fact, most of them happened later. So this is just how many didn't happen as scheduled in 21. And uh, this is of the shows that were announced. A lot of shows were not planned and shows weren't booked because of the world situation. So a lot of the shows for especially the first half of the year are probably shows that were moved on from 20 and were moved on and then moved on again. So we have several cases of double cancellations. So in January, eight shows were announced and all of them cancelled. In February, there were only three planned shows. So again, that comes into effect. They didn't put shows in because of the world situations. So that brings up the tally to 11. 
In March, there were five shows canceled, brings it up to 16. In April, nine planned shows were canceled, including one in Oslo at the John D. Club, brings up the tally to 25. In May, 13 planned shows were canceled. And a lot of these were definitely makeup dates that were moved forward previously and now have to be moved again. So that brings us up to 38. In June, we have six planned show canceled. Again, most of these are makeup dates from previously. 44 canceled shows so far. July, three planned shows canceled, but also three planned shows go ahead. So that makes the first show in front of an audience in 2021 in Richmond at the Tal Hill Inn on the 23rd of July. That's when things opened up again in the UK. And a few more gigs happened the following weekend. So that takes us up to 47 cancelled and three shows that happened. So things are lightening up a bit. In August, three planned shows were cancelled, but five shows go ahead. September, three planned shows cancelled, six shows go ahead. In October, two planned shows are cancelled and four shows go ahead. That's 55 cancelled, 18 happened. November, only four gigs are listed in November. One of them was cancelled and the three of them went ahead. And the first one of these happened on the 18th, which means that that would have been Gil Allen's first show with the band at the Flower Pot in Derby. But that makes it 56 cancelled, 21 that happened. December has nine shows listed. Seven of them went ahead. Two of them, which were dual shows with skids, were cancelled. So that brings us up for... 2021, 58 shows were cancelled or moved. 28 shows happened. So my first thought is if you add the 58 and 28, that's not a lot of shows for a band like Big Country for a full year. So clearly their calendars were not full. They were waiting for things to uh, to open up. So um, definitely it's, it's been a tough year. But it's also a year that shows that um, towards the end things were opening up. And even though the cancellation still happened, there were many that went ahead as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly better than the previous previous year in that they've gotten out there again and were able to do some of those shows. But yeah, yeah, man, with a with the rise of the the variants of the pandemic and things, you know, getting shut down again in many cases for the time being, uh, it's tough. It's it's tough for for anyone who has to make their living. Um, doing this and uh doing things that require you know the public to be congregating together in large groups so yeah i i uh i can only hope that things really improve as as we get into the spring and gosh uh, there's got to be a a good light at the end of the tunnel with this thing i i would i would hope that's coming soon Right, so one of the one of the main things, a couple of couple of huge things have, have popped up over the last year that we've talked about on our page, and we talked a little bit about it. Uh, I'm sure the last time we we recorded something, uh, I believe, well, we did the PSA, which was all about the, the new activity of the potential Robin Miller mix of the Seer. Um, so. A lot of people, understandably, have been asking, what's going on with that? What's happening with, with the release of, of that album and Robin Miller mixing it? Is that really going to happen? Um, 
all I can say to you, and, and when I say that, I mean because this is all I know. I'm not I'm not hiding anything. But it looks like it, it definitely should happen. Um, as far as the Robin Miller mix, uh, I was contacted personally by a guy named Dermot James from Chrysalis Records. And um, he, he actually is the guy that runs Chrysalis Records. And I wanted to share with you the email that he sent me. Um, at least some of the texts. This was this was back in May of 2021 when I got this email. So I I like so many of you. I'm waiting to hear, you know, like what's what's next. And I've asked Bruce about it too, you know, and he can answer and talk about this when we speak to him. You know, what's the, what's the status? And he's not sure either. He feels like it's going to happen, but it, it looks like the actual process may not have started yet, but. Anyway, this guy Dermot reached out to me because really for the reason for a mistake, <laughs> he he um he was under the impression that I possibly had the original Robin Miller mix of the album. And the reason he thought that was because uh someone had let him know about if you guys remember um on a past episode I mentioned that um I had been in contact with someone who claims that Stuart Adamson had given him a rough cassette copy of the songs that would be on the seer uh, that that the band rehearsed, that the band was rehearsing. Right. And according to this guy, it was every song that ended up on the seer as well as some of the B-sides. So quite honestly, that's I, I'm almost want that as much as I want the Miller mix. Uh, but this got back to this guy, Dermot James, and he thought or misinterpreted it as me having the original mix. So he wrote me this email and it said, um, uh, I run Chrysalis records, but prior to this, I originally worked at phonogram records when big country were signed there. And I was involved in all of the reissue of the albums that universal did a number of years ago. Um, someone mentioned you started a campaign a while back to get the Robin Miller mix of the seer release and that you may have a copy of this mix. In my research on the reissues I did for Universal, there was not a copy of the mix in the archive, and Robin Miller doesn't have a copy, hence why it wasn't included. The reason I ask now is one of the owners of Chrysalis is none other than Robin Miller. I'm working on vinyl reissues of two of the band's albums they recorded for Chrysalis, and the conversation came up of the Seer album. I've been provisionally granted permission from Universal to access the multi-tracks of the album, and get Robin to do a new mix of the album to try and recreate what he originally did. We would market this. We would market this as a new mix and not the original. Uh, regards, Dermot. So um, I followed up with him and uh, set him straight on what I had, and uh, that unfortunately it wasn't the original mix. Um, I told him about the cassette, and I, I even said that could be a great. Uh, addition to this to this if we're able to to get the person who says he has it to allow that to happen um which has been difficult leading up to to the to the present time but um did tell him about the petition and share that with him again and then that's when we did around the time that we did the psa and you guys jumped on and and gave it even more sign signs <laughs> so um we appreciate all that um but did hear back from him again later and just to clarify that Robin Miller, you know, wanted to do this. And, and he was like, yeah, he, he really wants to do it. So that's where it was left for me uh, back in May um, with 
the guy who runs Chrysalis Records, confirming that it's something they want to do, uh, confirming that Robin Miller is interested in doing it, and that they've been granted the right from Universal to have access to the multi-tracks, um, which, which basically... I, I imagine so that's that was new to me, too, that those existed. So what what I guess that means is that they have the actual tracks that were recorded for the album, um, even though they don't have Robin Miller's finished original mix. So what he would have to do if he wanted to do that again was to go back to the original tracks and remix it all over again, uh, which would be a, a, a pretty big project. But at the same time you know very cool to hear what he would do so we wouldn't be getting his original mix from 1986 uh which we only have look away uh right now preserved from that but we would be getting a brand new mix from robin miller and as dermot said here trying to recreate what he did back in 1986 so while that isn't exactly what we would want um it's still pretty pretty darn cool and I know that I speak for everyone when I say we really want this to happen. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep, I'll keep pestering people. And in fact, as I look at this, I, I think maybe now's a good time to drop Dermot a line again and see what he, uh, what he, what he thinks. Um, once, once he realized I didn't have the, the original mix as he thought, uh, he was a lot slower to respond to me the second time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I hope that he can at least give us an update on what's happening. And the other, the other very cool thing is that Steve Lillywhite apparently had appeared on the through a big country page run by Bogan extraordinaire, Andy Inkster and, um, had expressed an interest in remixing the steel town album. Now that to me seems like less of a possibility of happening because I don't know. I don't know if there were, there was anything else really talked about, by Steve, other than him expressing a desire to do it. I don't know if, if, if that was, I can't remember if there was anything else added to that to make it seem like it could happen in the near future. Um, but still that's, that is really cool too. In fact, that got me really excited as well. Just thinking, Oh my gosh, like a new mix. And I know this is sacred ground for, for all of us, but still if Steve Lillywhite came back to do it and, and remixed it, um, not saying it would overtake the original or anything like that, but we all know what the band thought about the mix and even what Steve Lillywhite thought about the mix and, and the, the criticisms they had of it, most of which are not shared by the fans because we just know what we heard and we, and we loved it, you know, as, as it was. Um, but certainly can understand the band's feelings about it being too dense and the fact that it was one of the first digital recordings and all the problems that they had with that with the pops and clicks they had to get out and and all kinds of other things and other challenges so i mean if he could go back with today's technology and and isolate the, the tracks and and maybe give it some more space and and all that that would be just fantastic to hear and what the results could be but again i don't know what what's happening with that so all of that is something to speak with bruce about um when he comes on the show and a couple other things too, that, that are cool that are popping up as possibilities down the road, which uh, I'll let him decide if he wants to make public or not. But 
the um the Robin Miller mix is the big thing right now and hopefully that at least lets you know where we stand. Um the wheels of just just move slowly, apparently. <laughs> but they do they do seem to be moving. And uh hopefully that that email bit from Dermot at Chrysalis, you know, confirming that this is an actual plan, um will at least make people feel a little bit more positive and optimistic about it eventually happening but you know nobody's getting any younger so we want to get it want to get it done and get it out there and um we'll keep you updated as far as hearing anything and maybe you know as fine mentioned bruce is bruce is interested in coming on the show um to do an episode and we were talking about maybe sometime in february getting him on so we could come back a lot sooner rather than later and and with bruce and when we get him on here we can see where we stand on some of these things but still some exciting things to think about. Plenty of exciting things. I think uh, the Steel Town thing nearly happened in 2014 with Andrea Wright. Yeah, that's right. It was paused then. It, it didn't happen. But it's one of those things that it comes up now and then. And Bruce keeps saying that's one of the things he really would like to see, a remix of Steel Town. Uh, maybe that might even be higher on his list than the, uh, the Miller mix from a just personal uh, thing that he feels he has unfinished business with that. Uh, although both of those albums fall into the unfinished business category, I would be surprised if they haven't moved on uh, on the seer at all since uh, since May, especially since things were clarified then that, that they could proceed, they could go ahead, be given the permission. The wheels might move slowly from time to time, but I think um, we don't need to hear everything that happens as much as we like to. You probably shouldn't have dropped the ball with Dermot and confessed everything so quickly because then he would have pandered to you and given you much more info. Uh, but that's <laughs> that's a noob mistake, man. Well, the thing is, if 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 I if I had told him that I had it and it wasn't true, then he might not have moved forward with what he actually needs to do, <laughs> which is working with Universal to get those those other tapes, the multi tracks. I'm just saying, ask those questions before you show your hand. But but I'm sure they're proceeding since then. I'm sure they have. Because you said they, they, they had already been given the clarification to do it. They go ahead. Yeah, well that yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So so nothing holding them back. And we should mention there was a screenshot posted from a Skype meeting or Zoom meeting or one of those digital meetings where Bruce, Tony, Mark, uh someone oh, yeah, from the estate right. and Ian Grant and someone from chrysalis uh discussed this release happening so all of these guys have met all of them want it to happen and uh so i don't think they're waiting for anything but just doing it at this point yeah i i guess that's what it is you know i i don't know i don't know but i'm both excited and also just like exasperated wanting to <laughs> wanting to just get you know get, get we get these little tiny movements and then it stops and then Maybe some big movements and then it stops and then just want to, I want to know that it's being done and then that it's underway. I, I think I actually, I reached out to Robin Miller too because I still have his address, his email address from years ago when we were talking to him about this, uh, trying to get him to come on the show. And, uh, I just told him I was, I was aware of, of what was being talked about and, reminded him of the petition and told him how excited we all were that this could happen. And we hope it did. And, um, he never responded, but that doesn't surprise me, but at least I just got something out there. 
Yeah, sure. Positive vibes. It might help. It sometimes a little thing goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've had some interesting questions uh, about why are we not on Spotify? People want to listen to the podcast on Spotify. I guess Spotify has a lot of podcasts now. Uh, the easy answer is we have far too much music in our podcast for us to start putting it out any with professional. We're going to be hit by strikes against us and uh, or worse, you know. So we're not going on Spotify. Is that how that works? That 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 they will that that would be an issue with Spotify because I I thought about that same same thing. You know, the like we should probably try to get our get the show on other platforms beyond just yes iTunes, but. Uh, we should. If we had a purely talking show, we could be on Spotify. But uh, I can tell you one thing. We are on one additional platform beyond iTunes. We are also on Podbean. Ah. This is something I just explored on my own. I just thought, uh, why can't we be on Podbean? Then I go to Podbean and type in our name. And sure enough, I, I, I get hits. So I guess that's connected with iTunes. So if you're on one, you you come to the other. And one thing I discovered is also that Podbean has user comments you can leave comments on episodes or on the show pages and we had comments there that i had never seen so i thought um feeling bad about never acknowledging you know or responding to this person there, there were several comments left by one and the same user Giovanna Lati. i don't know who that is but uh Giovanna Lati left comments and the first comment all of these we're two, are two years old at this point. So let's just say pre-pandemic, someone found us on Podbean. And the first comment they left is, wow, a big country podcast. Looks like I've got some binge listening to do. So that's cool. <laughs> Second comment, in response to episode seven, which is the No Place Like Home Deep Dive, how swine or anyone can be so against piano ballads as to not love ships is beyond me. Stuart voice is so moving. And that's great. You agree, you disagree, the things we say. And um, uh, if someone especially mentions my name, I'd like to respond, let them know, yeah, that, that's cool, that's that's nice. But I, I didn't. Uh, so the <laughs> next comment comes in response to episode 63, which is the piece in our time deep dive. Time for leaving is totally underrated. Kicks more ass than anything else on the album. And then the fourth and final comment in response to episode 81. So this person has been either working their way through everything quickly or or cherry-picking, as the case may be. Uh, so that is the Crossing Deep Dive, the one with Chance, Thousand Star, and the Storm. And uh, I don't know if this person has given up on us, that we are the non-responding podcast, because the comment is, FUJUAL! And I think we can read between the lines what, what that is. So, um, <laughs> right. I just um, wanted to acknowledge this person. Thank you for all your comments. I'm sorry I have not paid attention to Podbean. I didn't even know we were there. So um, we are acknowledging you on the actual show, if you still listen, after the Fujual thing. <laughs> but um, there you go. Thank you for your comments, and we are on Podbean. So there you go, Tom. That's a little bit better than just iTunes and the jfng.com. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, good. And and we we can expand more without a doubt. And it's just it's just a matter of 
uh, we're just lazy. I mean, you know, if you, if you want to call us that, we're working constantly and yet finding the time to fit in the recording of podcasts. I wish I had time us- to be lazy. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I lazy. Well, yeah. I um. I meant that sarcastically. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's something that uh, we could be accused of. Not a single episode in uh, 2021. Lazy bastards. What are you doing? You're not <laughs> right. doing the podcast. You're probably not doing anything. Sitting on your couch, eating cheese doodles, <laughs> and listening to Big Country. Uh, yeah. Well, a lot more than that. Oh man. But uh, but we are hoping to be more active. And on that note. Uh, looking a bit ahead, uh, Bruce has signaled he wants to come on, and that's that's great. If that happens, then that happens. But, but we also have our plans that we need to proceed with, and we have mentioned a couple of times here, and I think it's been our intention for a long time to do a Wonderland EP deep dive. Tom, let's put it out there. It's happening this year. Yes, it is. It is. We both have been talking about this. It's, we want to do it. There are many options for how to do it, and um, we didn't discuss this. Um, normally, we discuss this stuff off the show, but since we need to be efficient today and spend the time we have wisely, let's let's discuss this on the show because your version of the Wonderland EP is the four track that was released in the US, and my version of Wonderland was the Canadian six track version. Uh, what I propose is we do a middle ground of the ones we know, like we do a five track discussion where we remove the chance 12 inch because we have deep dive on that track before and 12 inch mix discussions is a different approach anyway so i i see it as playing out one episode with the whole history of the ep the timeline of that era the song itself its extensive history that's one episode and then one with the two next song which is angle park all fall together and one with the last two songs which is heart and soul the crossing that's my thought on wonderland deep dive and these are the these are the eighty minute episodes. Yep. <laughs> hey, I like it. Let's do it. I think two songs per episode works, and also the fact that Wonderland is meatier, and we can do the whole history of the EP and all that stuff. I I have a document. Let me open it here. Let me tell you how long my notes on just the Wonderland time and song. There we go. I have one folder per episode we've ever done. Uh, Wonderland V2. Okay. 12 pages. Oh, wow. On the one song and its, its history, the timeline, versions of it we've had. Yeah, there's quite a lot to say on that. So that needs to be an episode on its own, that song, I think. And then there are two songs each for the last two. You think that works? Oh, I think so. The, the song in the difference, if we stick to the US version, would be heart and soul. So the question is, do we want to include that? And I think tacking that onto the crossing wouldn't hurt. I think it's great. I, I gotta, I gotta work myself up to another uh, deep dive. I, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. I, I haven't, I haven't listened to that much uh, music at all over the last. I mean, I listen to music, but big country, I, I haven't listened to that much over the last year. I don't know what it is. Like a little drought, maybe. And I and only lately I've been really feeling that itch again to go back. So I think I think the the year the year that's gone by, even though it wasn't intentional, was just a natural thing. It just yeah you know ten years of 
of doing this show now almost. That's a lot. It's unbelievable, actually. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> nice. And we thought we were done on the deep dives, but we've we definitely want to do Wonderland. And um, yeah, you know, to the people saying do live album deep dives and all that, I I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'll never say never, but um, no. I think this will be our last deep dive. So you know, unless a new album comes out of some sort that we want to jump into, but uh, I don't see that happening either unless it's a WKW album, but uh, I don't see that happening either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't see us picking a song and saying, let's discuss this song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. So stuff like that, but uh, maybe you want to do the, um, the, uh, you dreamer 12 inch. Then we get into the, can you feel the winter? Hardly a mountain cold. Moilers, golden girl. We can pick EPs like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that, things that like that. Cool. But they would be shorter again. I think Wonderland is now the largest constellation of songs we have yet to discuss. We really want to get to 100 episodes. That's that's at least my goal. And anything after that is icing on the cake. But I want to get to 100. I don't want to stop short of 100 at this point. So this is 94. Who knows how many a Wonderland uh, Three. deep dive will encompass. Three. Yeah, you say that now. I, 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 we'll see. <laughs> Do you think it'll be one song per episode? It could be. Uh, it, it's not like we haven't done that before. Poro Man was three hours, but, but that was Poro Man. <laughs> oh my gosh, three hours. Yeah. Oh, our insanity. mindset was different. Now our mindset is short episodes and we've been talking for two hours already. So we, we're already see, liars. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but we'll see. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. I want to get to 100 and then I'll feel good. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff. Shit! Speaking of speaking of uh, last thing, from speaking of WKW, I have had some people asking, you know, are you doing anything new? Uh, um, we did release a single this year as well called Spitfire. Um, did a video for that and got good reactions. So thank you to those of you who uh listened and listened to that and let us know what you thought of it um we are trying to cobble together another ep and we've gotten with you know with bruce's workload and what they're doing especially with the skids in big country at the same time um really i'm at their mercy so whenever whenever they have free time which isn't that often they're able to work on some stuff um which is why our output has been kind of like a one song here. And then maybe a few months later, another song and we did. What about peace a while back? And then we did spitfire and we've got, um, another song, uh, another rare big country related song that we're trying to record a, for our own version of. Um, and then I, I did a version of the clashes, Tommy gun that I was thinking of doing myself. And then I thought, no, yeah, this, this is perfect for Bruce to sing. Um, he has that Joe Strummer quality anyway. So mm-hmm. I asked him if he wanted to do, to do the vocals for that, and we could make it a WKW thing, and then they could add anything they wanted. Um, and he is up for doing that too. So hopefully that'll be out at some point. But it, I think we we may have like a four song EP coming soon. But we're we're still we're still trying to to do stuff as we're able. Yeah. That's how Man of Steel started. It was an EP first, an album followed. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you plan to go that route again and just see how many songs you end up with, I guess. 
Yeah, I just it all depends, you know. It all depends on the time that we have, and you know, you gotta what what you do to what you do to make a living has to take precedence, and no one's making a living off of WKW, even though it's it's <laughs> something that, that's enjoyable. Yeah. You know, if nothing else happens, I'm I'm incredibly proud of Men of Steel, and uh, you should be happy that we did that at least. Mm. Nice. So the last episode we did together in December 2020, we were not in the best uh, situation. Are we doing better now? How are you doing, Tom? I, I'm trying to think back. It was kind of a depressing time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm personally doing better. I, um, you know, I settled into this new normal somewhat and still not happy about it, <laughs> as I'm sure yeah. nobody is. No. Still a lot of things we've had to, to sacrifice, but... Um, at the end of the day, you know, I, uh, things are going fine and um, busier than it's ever been, strangely enough. But, uh, yeah, what can you do? Just plow ahead. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing about being busy is um, once you have gone through a time of maybe not being so busy, you appreciate being busy again. And it's certainly the case for me. So back when uh, we did that Yuletide, I wasn't really in a good space. So it's good to sit there today and say that. I kind of came out on the other side, and I feel much better. I'm doing better. Good. And uh, some people who knew more about what I was going through reached out and uh, thought of me and uh, engaged and even sent me some nice gifts. And uh, all of those who did that, just uh, say thank you. That's great. Thank you, Tom. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. thank you. That's great. And, it, and just being able to reconnect uh, like this is, is cool. So it's it uh, it it's also does a lot to brighten the mood. It's nice to talk about the band again, and you know, once we, I think I think a lot of what drove us to do this again was finally starting to get comments from people. Yeah, saying <laughs> when's an, when's another one coming? Because if nobody says anything, then we just think, oh, I guess they don't miss us. Um, which seem which seemed to be the case for quite a number of months. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's true. It really was funny how that sort of happened this month. Uh, plenty yeah. of people asking, what are you doing? And some people said the Great Divide was a reference to the length of time between episodes. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get that. Uh, certainly that comment is apt right now. So uh, plug in that gap or at least putting another stick in the ground and saying, here we are now and we'll proceed. And uh, I think 22 will be a little bit busier for us. Not as busy because we have agreed to not do longer than 80-minute episodes. Starting next episode. Yes, starting next episode. Yes, always starting next episode. But that is the intention on our solemn post. Well, what was cool was was seeing people say that, you know, I just finished, I finally finished every episode and now I'm ready for some more or I some saying I just discovered the show and I'm starting to binge them. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to think about the, 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 the huge breadth of work that we have <laughs> that we've done. Just think about all the topics we've discussed and all the bloviating we've done. And <laughs> it's nice to know that it's there, you know, and how we might have changed our minds on a lot of things we talked about eight, nine, ten years ago. Yeah, poss quite possibly, without a doubt. But that's neither here nor there. We did it. Yep. 
but it but it really does help because it's easy to focus on what I'm used to is people complaining about episode lengths or that it's too much and never going to get through. And you think, oh, hey, maybe they are a bit right. About it. Maybe maybe that's how people feel. So so <laughs> it, it, it is it is good to see that people missed us. Thank you for everybody. It really does have an effect. It made us want to get together now, I think, more easier than if that hadn't been the case. So, yeah, it yeah. matters. We, we, we do care that people like what we do. We do, absolutely. Who who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed this return. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back sooner th- rather than later with some more focused discussion yeah on on something most likely it'll be bruce with us but i don't want to set that in stone because you never know what can what can happen but um that's the plan uh so so we'll see we'll continue making plans on the wonderland and if uh, if bruce gets busy because this has happened before whenever tom lets me know that bruce wants to come on my first thought is great and my second thought is is this one of those times when uh, it actually will happen or will things get in the way? Because he's a busy dude. Yeah. And suddenly we're, we've been waiting two months for him to come on. Two months doesn't seem like a lot of time now, but there was a time when we were quite regular with our episodes. Yes. Uh, yeah. There was a time. Time long that, gone. Yeah. Never that, to come again. Thank God. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good wrap up. It was a wrap up. It, it was. It was kind of a a gap a gap up a yeah. gap wrap up so thank you guys for listening as always thank you for uh for still being there if you are and if you are <laughs> yeah if, if you hear there, this you clearly are yeah well that's true um yeah so let us know what you think great divide on facebook great divide uh well no it's actually big country podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email and uh we will be back with episode 95 in the near future yes the well, maximum then. 80 minute length episode right. 95 so go buy your blank cds and get ready yes we're back baby <laughs>
Why don't you just, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff her into your drawer? <laughs> I couldn't do that. No. I need, I need, I need her with me. She's a sweet pup. Could more damage even be done to what you've thrown into that drawer? <laughs> I don't think so at this point. <laughs> All right. Well, it's Lexi, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope that Lexi behaves and it's a good, curchy dog for a few minutes. I hope so. Yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say, so let me... I know, I'm sorry. You were about to launch into something. Yeah, launch is the word. Why don't we jump into to what we've missed over the last 13 months? I mean, from a big country perspective, there's been one big thing, which, which of course, is uh, Scott Whitley leaving the band. And um, Yeah, Tom, I, I was I, hoping we could go through the year chronologically. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, so, let me let me do that again then. So I would say you have 24 pages of notes. 24? <laughs> this is not a deep dive, you know. Well, well you, you, you're onto it. It's four. You, <laughs> okay. you, had, you, you had the four. You were slacking. No, that's that's about appropriate for this type of episode. It's not well, it a, appropriate. It, it's but not a speech. It's bullet points. Four pages okay. of bullet points is nothing to sneeze at. Well, good. Good. <laughs> Fine. So, so what's what's bullet point number one? Bullet point number one. Uh, well, that we've talked about it. That is basically what we did in the year that was, which was the PSA on the 24th of May. So we covered that. And the next thing I have on my list is the live stream event, which I'm going to get into next. So 